Perdita stuck her nose in the air. Her sights were set higher than roadmenders. She was a big girl for fourteen, tall and broad in the shoulder, with pale, luminous skin and a full, sulky mouth. A long Greek nose and large, very wide-apart eyes, as dark as elderberries, gave her the look of a creature of fable, a unicorn that might vanish at any moment. The main gates of Ruchia Polo Club were swarming with police because of the prince's visit. Taking a shortcut, Perdita clambered over a wall to the right, fighting her way through the undergrowth, scratching her legs on brambles and stinging nettles, until she reached the outskirts of the club. A vast emerald green ground stretched ahead of her. On the right were the pony lines, where incredibly polished ponies, tied to iron rails in the shade of a row of horse chestnuts, were stamping, nudging, flattening ears at each other and aiming kicks at any fly eating their bellies. God, they were beautiful, thought Perdita longingly, and curiously naked and vulnerable with their hogged manes and bound-up tails. Beyond the pony lines stood the little clubhouse with its British, American and Argentine flags. Beyond that reared the stands and the pink and white tent for the sponsors' lunch before Sunday's final. Cars for today's semi-final already lined both sides of the field. Polo fever had reached an all-time high this season due to the prince's impending wedding to Lady Diana Spencer. Ringing ground one and ground two behind the clubhouse were massive ancient trees, their wonderful variety of green occasionally interrupted by the rhubarb pink of a copper beech. With their lower branches nibbled level by itinerant cows, they looked like an army of dowagers in midi dresses. To the north, through this splendidly impressive backdrop, could be glimpsed the rose-pink roof of Rutminster Hall, a charming Queen Anne Manor house, home of Sir David Waterlane, a polo fanatic who owned the surrounding 900 acres. Perdita scratched her nettle stings. The moment she was famous, she decided darkly, as an orange and black striped helicopter landed on the greenswood behind the clubhouse, she would go everywhere by air. Envy turned to excitement as the helicopter doors burst open and two young players, both in evening shirts and dinner jacket trousers, jumped out. Instantly, Perdita recognised Seb and Dommy Carlyle, otherwise known as the Heavenly Twins. Vastly brave, blonde and stocky, like two golden bear cubs, it was said that any girl in the twins' lives, and there were legions, had to play second fiddle to Polo and the other twin. Next moment, a small, fat, bald man, with the tiny, mean eyes and wide jaw of a bilious hippo, who was wearing an orange and black polo shirt and straining white breeches, charged up, bellowing. For Christ's sake, hurry up! The umpires are waiting to go on. We should have started five minutes ago. Why are you so late? We started late, said Seb Carlyle, putting his arm round the fat man's shoulders. Dommy had this terrific redhead. No, Seb had this terrific brunette, came the muffled tones of Dommy Carlyle. 
having whipped his shirt over his head to reveal a bronzed and incredibly muscular back. He nearly collided with the little fence round the clubhouse as he desperately tried to undo his cufflinks from the outside. "'Well, if I can be on time, I can't see why you bloody can't,' shouted the fat man, whom Perdita now identified as Victor Kaputnik. Originally Hungarian, Victor was a pharmaceutical billionaire and famous polo patron who employed the twins as professionals and whose helicopter and fuel had just transported them from London. Polo players are rated by handicap, which ranges from minus two goals, which means an absolute beginner, to ten goals for the very top-class player. This has nothing to do with the number of goals they may score, but is an indication of their ability. Although only twenty, the twins already had four-goal handicaps. Much of their energy was spent ripping off Victor Kaputnik.